This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to AHP. Thanks for joining me. I do appreciate your time listening to this show. In a few minutes, we're going to have a chat with Senator for Victoria, the motoring enthusiast party's Ricky Muir. Had a really had a good chat with Ricky. I mean, myself and Ricky are around the same age. I'm 35 years old, so is Ricky. He's just a little bit older than me. Now, all I'm asking you guys is to give Ricky a look at the next federal election in just under four weeks. The thing is, Ricky's been a fierce advocate for gun owners. Do I have some small philosophical disagreements with Ricky on certain things? I think I do a little bit. But the thing is, in Parliament right now, we have Ricky Muir, who's pro-gun. We have David Lionhelm, who's pro-gun. And we have uh, Bob Day from Family First, who's also pro-firearm as well. Now, if we don't get these guys re-elected, okay, we're going to have people like Darren Hinch that potentially may take a Senate seat from some of our pro-gunners. Now, when you go to the ballot box and you've got your paper, and you're voting above the line one to six, I'm asking you to give Ricky Muir and our pro-gunners a look at the next federal election in July of 2016. Whether Ricky's your number one, two, three, four, five, or six, it doesn't really matter, right? The fact is, we don't want to lose our pro-gunners in Parliament. We want to increase our pro-gunners in Parliament, whether that's, you know, the Australian Sovereignty Party, whether that's the Australian Liberty Alliance, whether that also is the Shooters and Fishers Party, it doesn't really matter. We need more pro-gunners in Parliament. That's the facts. Okay, guys, so when you go to the ballot box, think about Ricky Muir, think about your pro-gunners, and put all your pro-gunners in one through six. If you want to go more than that, you can, but again, I'm keeping it to the top six to make it a lot easier and to vote easily for your pro-gunners for Senate positions. We had some great chat with Ricky on registration, self-defense, and many, many other aspects of the double disillusion and what he will do if re-elected and also what he will do if not re-elected. I hope you guys enjoy this show. So without further ado, let's get into my interview with Senator for Victoria Motoring Enthusiast Party's Ricky Muir. This is Dave Fent from all the Hunting Adventures TV series, and you're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast. All right, Ricky Muir, again, welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for joining me again. I know we did a great interview before, and uh, a lot of people will be really enjoy to hear you again talking to me, and uh, just especially before the next elect federal election. It's going to be fantastic. So thanks and welcome again. No problems. Thank you very much for having me. I thought I would have had another, another good four years ahead of me, but uh, <laughs> unfortunately it's not the case. No. Tell us what's been happening uh, since we last spoke. I guess for, for listeners that ha- didn't hear your previous uh, episode, if they want to go back to that, they can listen to episode 102 when we first spoke to Ricky. But what's been happening, Ricky, since we spoke last? I guess a lot's been going on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. A heck of a lot's been going on. Probably first and foremost and the most obvious is... Um, uh, rather than me serving a six-year term in the Senate, the government's uh, gone to all efforts to get to the point of a double dissolution election, which means both houses of uh, parliament have dissolved and um, a, a guaranteed six-year term has been reduced to two. And uh, I'm up for re-election, hence campaign mode. So unfortunately, rather than just a follow-up uh, from last time we had an interview, it's uh, uh, not only a follow-up, but also a bit of a um, campaign um, attempt i suppose tell us i want to find out uh, 
what do you think is going to happen in regards to that? I mean, are you feeling you're campaigning now? Obviously, we're about four and a half, five weeks out somewhere around there. You're feeling confident? Are you talking with the constituents? What are the constituents saying? Yeah, I mean, I'm as, as confident as what I can be. That they pushed electoral reform through before they got to the uh, point of the double dissolution election. Hence, making it a lot harder for uh, minor party and independents to actually get in and have representation, which is a real concern, especially for those of us who are into outdoor recreation, whether it be hunting or fishing, full driving, dirt bike riding, whatever it may be. Um, if we end up with uh, no independents there holding the government of the day to account, if we've got a, a Labor Greens government, we know how they feel about environmental issues and. and how, unfortunately, at times, the good intention may actually turn to extreme emotion rather than actually um, good conservation-type legislation. And likewise, the only government who's actually ever come down hard on um, uh, law-abiding firearm owners is actually the coalition of the Liberals and the Nationals. So mm, you're right. uh, I am excessively concerned uh, about what could happen now that they've changed the system to go for absolute power. But on the same note, I'm absolutely positive because... The people of Australia have seen it for what it is and they really just want to know how to vote outside the majors so that way they maintain some kind of voice so that way the government of the day is always held to account. Yeah. What was the reason? I mean, for people that don't know, Ricky, what was the reason? Was it, was it the building legislation, I think it was, the reason that started the, the double disillusion and obviously uh, Malcolm Turnbull not getting that through and then you know, obviously instituting the double disillusion? Depends if you want to wear a conspiracy theory hat or not. But, uh, <laughs> right. They were they were hell-bent on going to a double dissolution election. They were falling in the polls very, very quickly, very hard. That's the government, of course. Um, and uh, they essentially needed to go to an election sooner rather than later. And, of course, while the popularity of the government was falling, the popularity of the minor parties and independents uh, was rising. So they've had to do electoral reform, and they've had to uh, go to a double dissolution so they can essentially eradicate the voice of the people out of the Senate. And um, uh, yeah, that, that's an absolute shame. But that's what it is. That's what we've had to deal with. And, of course, that's what we'll continue to deal with. But it was the official story was the Australian Building and Construction Legislation, uh, which, to explain in absolute simple terms, was an industry watchdog designed to um, pinpoint and act on breaches of civil law within the building and construction industry. Um, I all I wanted to have the government was to make it a full service regulator so that way it didn't just focus on unions because it's a liberal national government of course they've got their whole anti-union uh, uh, rhetoric uh, I thought I can actually take that away and bring this legislation back to the um, uh, full service regulator that it was when it was reintroduced and actually make it focus on unscrupulous employers that are underpaying employees uh, as simple as that. That's all the uh, essentially all the amendment I wanted was. So that way it was a full service regulator, not ideolo ideologically driven. And um, in the end, even though there was in principle support, they pulled back real hard in a week on the lead up to the double dissolution trigger being pulled. And it became abundantly clear to me at that point that um, no matter what, no matter what was put in front of them, that they were just going to go to the next bill that would give them a trigger and continue to do so until they got it. They wanted a trigger and they were going to pull it. A lot of people seem to be, from what I've seen, Ricky, pretty unhappy. I mean, you know, if they don't get what they want, uh, they think, you know, it's their sort of doctrine in what they want to do. I mean, they're willing to now change laws, mm. you know, to not permit minor parties to get in. I mean, the, the, the part that's going to really astonish me, especially, I mean, not just among shooters, but the general public, that the, the general public will continue 
I mean, to vote uh, for the two majors, knowing sort of, you know, with no disrespect, that they're, they're getting screwed. I mean, you know, I mean, is this yeah. a democracy? You know, like, we don't get what we want. We're going to go to a double disillusion. We're going to change the laws. And, you know, if you don't like it, well, bad luck. You really won't have a job. I mean, that's how it feels like from what I'm seeing from where I'm sitting. The, the major parties, uh, well, the Greens and the um, Liberal National Government, uh, they're the ones who pushed really hard for these changes. And they said so, saying it was undemocratic that the likes of myself was elected. And look, maybe the system that I got elected under wasn't perfect and it could have been looked at. And I was even open to um, amendments and suggestions throughout that whole process. But they have gone absolutely gung-ho. There's a lot of confusion about the current system. Throughout the whole process, the very token and quick rushed committee process about the uh, changes. Throughout that whole debate, there was um, opportunity to try to make the legislation a lot better than what it was rather than making votes exhaust, which means if you vote, if someone votes to say... Uh, the Australian Motor Enthusiast Party, which I represent, and we don't get enough of a, a percentage to get up, uh, your vote stops there. Under the previous system, it never stopped until the last person is elected. So, you know, I tried to amend the current bill, the new system, so I didn't do that. But they've been absolutely happy to allow that to go ahead. So that one in four people that are voting for minor parties, if they don't vote accordingly... Uh, and do the right thing by the ticket, they may well lose their vote and it's just a benefit to the major parties and the Greens. Are you, are you recommending people just do the 1 to 6 or the below the line 1 to 12? Well, it's not even 1 to 6. Um, on the ballot paper... I did see your video on Facebook. Sorry to interrupt. I did see your Facebook uh, video explaining it quite well. It was quite good. You've really got the beard going and like me, yeah. it's just looking fantastic, you know? Yes. Uh, <laughs> but one, we're coming into winter, so the beard was an obvious... Um, uh, Inclusion, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, inclusion to have throughout this um, throughout this time. It keeps the electricity bill down. <laughs> that's, that's right. Um, uh, it also goes well with the uh, one of the little um, catches in the rules that they made was you could have a um, party logo above the uh, above the line, and um, uh, it gave me that opportunity to actually change a party logo in time to uh, have it go through all the proper processes and um, end up on the ballot paper. So it was just a little mugshot of myself, essentially, a little caricature with a beard. So <laughs> no, the beard stayed until see at least <laughs> after the campaign. Yeah. And um, the Australian Motoring Enthusiast Party initials AMEP underneath it. So we're very, very easy to spot on the ballot paper. Um, the other thing uh, that maybe their um, uh, brainiacs behind the scenes never really thought of at the time they came up with the whole idea of this um, electoral reform, which is exactly why I said it needs to be quicker than a, a four-hour committee process, is um, essentially, uh, like it explains in that video, you can now vote everything above the line, and you should if you want if you want your vote to uh, count right until the last person gets elected. But if you choose not to vote for the major parties, they're now optional above the line. You don't have to. Your preference would never go to them. Mm, very interesting. I really, I think this is one of the biggest things to hit politics, Ricky, in quite some time. I mean, voting changes, minor parties. Um, I mean, how, how, how are you feeling, I mean, coming up to the election? Are you feel, uh, yeah, what, what are the sort of pundits saying? Are they saying, Ricky won't be elected? Are you hoping you're going to be elected? Are you hoping people are going to put you know, faith in you again for, you know, on your two-year record to get you re-elected again into the Senate? Uh, uh, there's a lot of people writing me off, um, the likes of Anthony Green or um, some, some political writers, but they're going up the 2013 election results. Uh, compared to the changes which are in place now. Of course, things are a lot different from 2013. People actually know who I am. People know who the Australian Motor Enthusiast Party is. People know who Jackie Lambie is. People know who David Lionelm is. And, and the, the, the general public has actually got the scene, a crossbench, do what a crossbench is supposed to do, which is question everything that the government's up to and, and 
move amendments and to agree or to disagree or whatever it would be, but probably more importantly, the public's actually got a much broader understanding of the role of the Senate, which you know you hear on the news all the time, oh, the government's just moved uh, to bring in GP co-payments. No problems at all. The Senate's there to intervene that. Uh, it's looking pretty pretty bad. It's not going to have the effect that they're after. It's going to hurt uh, low-to-middle-income earners. It's exceptionally going to hurt your, your pensioners. We've looked at that. We've assessed that. We've tried to speak to government about it. They've still put it forward, so no problems. They've put a stop to it. So the government of the day may want to run a certain agenda, and they might get it through the House, but it gets to the Senate, and then it's scrutinised and, and dealt with appropriately, appropriately there. The game's never, never to actually try to stop the government from being out of the govern. But um, when there's extremely toxic things going through, and, and, and let's speak from the um, uh, perception of a shooter, um, when fear's been used as a tool to um, bring in a ban on a, a lever-action shotgun, which has been completely legal here ever since gun laws were built, brought into Australia and well and truly beforehand, we have a problem. But the Senate's there to stand up for the people. Do you have dull, blunt or badly sharpened knives that couldn't skin a cat? At Scary Sharp, we use a multi-step grinding system and will hand sharpen your blades to a precise edge. Our process of sharpening knives will have your blades splitting hairs for a surprisingly low cost. Not only do we sharpen knives, but we also sharpen scissors, clippers, garden tools, arrowheads, axes or anything that holds an edge. We are located close to Canberra and we also have a mail-in service. Visit Scary Sharp on Facebook or call Bob on 0410 432 852 and find out how we can meet your sharpening needs. Scary Sharp. If it cuts, we can sharpen it. It's that time of year again and Huntfest is just around the corner. Huntfest is Naruma's premier hunting exhibition on the New South Wales South Coast. Huntfest is on this June long weekend, so don't miss out by getting your tickets early. If you want to be an exhibitor at Huntfest, then call Danfield on 02 4473 7035. Visit huntfest.com.au for more information. Huntfest, the place to be in 2016. It's interesting, I heard last week, again, I don't know whether it's true or not, I presume that it is. I mean, Malcolm Turnbull's got a farm and apparently he's a gun owner, yet, I mean, these people are happy to, again to, to screw the people, you know, that, that aren't the problem, the law-abiding firearms owners, that aren't the problem. I mean, you know, I just, I just hear this all the time, people are gun owners yeah. and they're often more than happy to continue with further restrictions, again, which won't do anything to reduce gun crime or make the community any safer. Well, I had a conversation with a member of the Greens and I won't say names, but huh. I will say that I had a conversation with a member of the Greens who happens to have a licence. So whether was they it, own I was surprised the it wasn't Dean Natale because I, I think I did see there was an article <laughs> about Dean Natale. I think a few it was a few weeks ago. Someone actually just sent it to me on uh, on Facebook, so I might send it to you as well. And basically saying, well, you know, he hunted and killed his own ducks and put some was it Muscovy or something on the table. I'm like, well, aren't these guys supposed to be anti hunting and anti shooting? But I guess yeah. only when just when it suits them, you know. Well, Peter Wish Wilson has just came out public yesterday saying um, wild dogs, I think it's wild dogs, that are actually getting penguins in a certain area uh, along a certain coastline uh, need to be uh, shot, uh, basically. Um, I think it was uh, military snipers that he referred to. Oh, yeah, I did essentially, <laughs> essentially, at the end of the day, what he is, what he has absolutely highlighted is what uh, shooting, uh, you know, law-abiding shooters and professional shooters have been saying for a long time, and that is, we can make a positive impact uh, if the right um, if the right processes are followed. And 
putting the word military before a sniper doesn't really make any difference. Anybody with uh, the right firearm and is a um, uh, match shooter are going to be able to do the exact same job. Yeah. I mean, what what, what do they mean to get some militaries to take out some dogs? I mean, are they really serious? How they get 10% or thereabouts, sometimes a bit less, sometimes a bit more, how they get 10%, I just think, you know, are people educated these days on, in fact, what the Greens are actually about? I mean, I just can't understand it. It's kind of interesting. If you pay a lot of attention to social media and, of course, running my own Facebook page, I do pay a lot of attention to social media. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's it's a uh, blessing and a bloody curse all in one. It is. But um, uh, although the Greens get around about 10% of the vote, you would think, according to social media, that they must get at least 90% <laughs> because they've figured <laughs> out how to drive emotion through social media. And look, at times it's probably a good thing, but other times it, you just wait, hang on a second, let's deal with facts. Here's the Adler video that I made. Yeah. Let's... Let's cut away the crap and let's deal with the facts here. Uh, and I'm, you know, if you're uh, anti-firearms and if you don't want firearms shoved down your throat and uh, if you have no interest in shooting, that's fine. I actually don't have a problem with that and I respect that other people have different views. But don't come after us with fear and misinformation. Um, you know, let's have a, a logical debate and a calm conversation and find out where the problems are. And we know, and the statistics show, and even... Uh, our police ministers in every single state know that the problem is not you or me who have a license, who have a registered firearm, who lock them up, who do everything by the rules. The problem is criminals with illegal firearms, which we cannot stop with laws or else it wouldn't happen. It's already illegal, but it's happening. I mean, all, the, all they say is laws you know, are pretty much for after the fact, really, aren't they, to punish people after the fact. They don't really you know, stop people from committing crimes. I mean, it, it's just, again, ridiculous, yeah. isn't it? At times, they could be a deterrent, and um, uh, you know you, you do see that in, in many areas. Where, but once it gets past that point of deterrent, um, we, we have a uh, legal system in place to deal with anything that happens from from there on. Yeah, yeah, Ricky. I want to talk about Muttering Enthusiast Party. We'll go on to an interesting question now. I know. Do you have a set policy on firearms, actually, or more just you know you, you're just pro shooting because you like shooting, etc.? Or is it more official in regards to a policy? Uh, there's no official written <laughs> policy, um, but uh, there's certain core core values uh, which I've um, always followed, and uh, they're available on the website. And I'd love to repeat them to you right now, but I don't have them sitting in front of me, and it takes forever to remember them. But um, no, that's all right. At the end of the day, uh, we like to be uh, a fact base, um, basing decisions off fact, and. Uh, um, majority of the people behind the party are actually, uh, if not shooters, they're supportive of uh, recreational shooting and recreational activities. All of us have the same opinion that um, uh, you know the focus absolutely needs to be on illegal firearms and crimes. Uh, so in saying that, whenever anything's going through the Senate, or even if it's not going through the Senate, if it's actually being dealt with by the federal government, uh, like the... Um, National Firearms Agreement. It's actually not something that goes through the Senate, but um, uh, it is something that we can have influence on through through positive discussions with ministers. And as we saw with Senator Linehelm, he, he did manage to um, make an agreement with the government on, on a separate bit of legislation, which should get the um, ban lifted on the uh, seven-shot uh, Adler, and, and we'll soon see how that plays out. It's kind of funny. You can still get other seven-shot shotguns because people didn't realise that it's not the only one on the market. Yeah. Um, I think it's uh, the fourth one now, Ricky. There's the 
what the Adler, which is all the buzzwords around the Adler. You've got the Oozcon. You've got the Pardis coming out next week, I think. And there's a new one, the Emerald. So I think all these you know, Turkish and overseas manufacturers are really taking advantage of this. Uh, you know, I won't say making it better than the Adler, but I guess they're looking at them and you know, they, they all work a little bit differently. They've all got a little few extra parts or something's made from al- aluminium instead of you know steel. And it's, it's, it's quite interesting that the, the overseas firearm market has really taken to this. And you know wants to you know bring more I guess lever actions which were already available as you know the you know, exactly that's probably the, the, long the key thing to really point out uh, 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 you know, tens of thousands of lever actions were already uh, with category A and B license uh, law abiding shooters right across the country well before the Adler even came in and uh, because there wasn't anti firearm groups making noise about it nobody knew about it and, yeah. and that's a bit of an issue because you have these groups. Um, these groups making noise about it uh, out of fear. And look, if, if they're not aware uh, of what the, a certain firearm is, how it works, and um, uh, and have a general fear because of um, whatever in relation to firearms, it's okay for them to question it. I mean, we should always be questioning something. But um, uh, you know, once you're actually being given that information and able to learn from it, I think it becomes a whole different story. But it's not a good look when those who are against it start saying, this could be used for crime. Like, well, are you encouraging people to actually pick it up and do something wrong with it? At the end of the day, the type of people you're on about aren't really going to be able to get their hands on it anyway. Yep. Uh, but the same goes with the firearm register when people start actually drawing little maps saying this is where the high uh, firearm population is. No, that's where a high number of legally obtained and stored firearms are, and have you just created a map for criminals to go looking for? Mm. Yeah, I did see that. Actually, great you brought that up because I did forget about that. I know we discussed this on the show, but we'll go into this a little bit later. I mean, firearms registration, I know we spoke about it on the last show. I know some people say there's yeah, shooters out there that go, you know, this thing's fantastic. You know, we, I, as we spoke about before, New Zealand abolished it back in the mid-1980s. They said it was a complete waste of money. Uh, yeah. Canadian Prime Minister Stephen Harper, who was not just a blow-in Prime Minister, he was Prime Minister for almost 10 years, uh, said in 2000, or very, 2012, you know, now we will, if we're re-elected, we will abolish this registration. This and, and, and quote Ricky, this registration has not saved one single Canadian life. They yeah. spent almost eighteen billion dollars on on. As you know, you, I mean, I know you're big on you know, things for schools, you know, education. I mean, this money could have gone to you know hospitals, schools, education roads i mean really it could have went to the local disco down the road and it probably would have you know actually <laughs> actually achieved more so i mean well, it would have created some kind of stimulus yeah and then we have getting back to the point getting david shoebridge i mean um accidentally from what i heard this information was given accidentally to david shoebridge uh it was supposed to be looked at it wasn't looked at they gave it out and then all of a sudden now we have a, a website whatever it is how many guns in your area or com or whatever it's called and i mean yeah. this is another reason that i keep saying this data again is being used for for bad things we've got people like david shoebridge putting this information out into the media and yeah. i mean giving people basically well not exactly roadmap but you know one of a better word close to a roadmap about where people's firearms are and then telling people well they're easily stolen and people were getting their firearms stolen i mean the audacity of this guy uh, yeah it's, it's complete and utter irresponsibility I, I couldn't fathom why somebody who is anti-firearm would actually go to the extent of telling people where 
legally obtained, legally stored firearms are. It makes absolutely no sense to me. But in saying that, I think we probably should draw a bit of a line there. And despite, unfortunately, that some um, uh, firearms are stolen from licensed uh, premises or, or licensed owners, um, uh, the, the inquiry into illicit firearms um, pretty much all proved that there was no link between um, registered firearms that are stolen from a licensed owner and crime. So the problem still isn't the firearms that uh, are bought through the front door uh, off a dealer and, and uh, owned by you or myself. The, the problem is still uh, firearms that have been illegally manufactured or... or um, importation as well. Pre-buybacks and importation. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, unfortunately, we have a great deal of coast around us. So if we had more, more people from Border Force opening up a few more containers and so on, we may well actually be looking at that $18 billion that was... Um, um, used for the, the register elsewhere uh, may have been useful uh, trying to crack down on, on the illegal trade rather than the legal trade. Yep, yep. I want to talk about that because it's interesting. So my next sort of question was, you know, obviously, let's let's go back, let's talk about the Adler because we'll get into our next question. How are you enjoying your Adler? Are you enjoying it, Ricky? <laughs> I got to make a video with it, but that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> How did you feel about the video? I think I looked at it about... I don't know, maybe a day after you posted it, someone sent it to me, and I said, oh, that, I'll, I'll share it on my page. No problem. they got about 15,000 likes on the AHP page. And um, I looked at it, and I thought, oh, shit, he's got about, I think he's got about 300,000 views on it. How many hundreds of thousands of views you had on him? It was crazy. I haven't gone back to recheck it, but um, oddly enough, what we're, we're in um, uh, May now, um, are we in May? Are we in June? I can't remember. That's pretty bad. No, we're in anyway, June. <laughs> we're in June we're, now. We're in June. June 2nd, 2016. <laughs> right, right, June 2nd. All right, so we've got four weeks. There you go. Um, uh, we're in June 2016, and all this, uh, that video was released, um, I can't remember now, but we're going back probably two months ago, uh, and articles today appeared in the US in relation to it. So um, it, it's continually gained uh, momentum, and I, I think... The reality was all I tried doing with that video was actually uh, highlighting a, a few facts and uh, those who were unsure of firearms, didn't understand, uh, were calling it semi-automatic. We're all, all us law-abiding people, uh, firearm owners, we're well and truly aware of it and were sick of it. And I thought, well, I own one. I'm going to go out there as an elected representative and just put the facts out there and, and show that this is not a semi-automatic firearm. It will not fire until it's uh, been manually cycled and... Um, gone through the whole process that it has to and and i actually had uh and this was a really positive thing because i have a lot of people that um aren't firearm supporters who support me and and again that, that's absolutely fine um and they understand that i am uh, a shooter and i think a lot of them are starting to come around and understand that i'm not advocating for um joe blow to be able to go and get a concealed firearm stick in his pocket and walk around with, with the safety off i'm not advocating for that at all but um uh, I actually had people uh, left of the spectrum contact me and say, you know, I'm not a firearm supporter, I don't like shooting. However, I didn't know that that's, that, that the information that you said was actually the truth, and I appreciate you for doing so. So despite some aspects of the media trying to uh, take, me, take me to town on it, uh, the general public were actually received it really well. Mm, I had a question. I mean, I, I've spoken to a few people about this, Ricky. What's the infatuation with always constantly referring to the U.S. Now, I've done a 
a little bit of fact-finding. I mean, the U.S. has had a dropping homicide rate for the greater part of 100 years. Uh, that's the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Founded in 1908, the foremost front of law enforcement and on gun homicide in the United States. America is not also uh, in, the to- even t- in the top 100 for gun crime across the world. Uh, Venezuela is six times that of the U.S. Uh, we have Mexico, Cuba, Panama, Honduras. Uh, what, what's the... What's the infatuation with the constant referral to the United States? I would only have to... I could only speculate, really, because I'm, I'm not 100% sure. But I think um, part of it being because um, we're seen as being so close to the US, so we have a lot of US programs on our, our TV channels, mm. and uh, we constantly... Um, uh, when the U.S. are involved in a certain conflict, we would be there offering support at least. And so there seems to be that close connection. And uh, but what happens over there, we see in our mainstream news every night. Um, and I think that's part of it because we don't see what's going on in Cuba, say, uh, on a regular basis. We just see this close connection between us and the U.S. And um, uh, there's. Because there's an interesting, I wanted to, so I didn't want to butt in there too. Like, I was just looking at some more facts. Um, uh, Brazil, uh, no gun ownership for private owners in Brazil, Ricky. Uh, 59,000 deaths in 2000 and, in 2014. I mean, you know, uh, people often I hear, and I hear one other excuse people say is, well, you know, these are third world countries. And I'm like, what? So poor people's lives don't matter? Yeah. I mean, that's exactly right. And that's, that's where people need to start. If we're going to use the US as an example, we should be using every other country as an example. And unfortunately, it doesn't sound overly um, great for, for for those who try to use the US example against us to to then go and use the New Zealand example, where, where people do have access to the uh, type of firearms which we don't, and the issues um, uh, that are seen in in places like the US, which of course aren't the worst, like you've just just highlighted, aren't even there anyway. Yeah, it was interesting to, to say that because uh, uh, I remember, I think it was David Leinhelm, I think, was on one of the uh, programs and Carl Stefanovic and said, well, you know, New Zealand don't have these issues. And, you know, Carl Stefanovic, which I thought was ridiculous, actually tried to stand up and say, well, hang on, David. You know, I, I, I was you know, covering, you know, as a reporter, one of their massacres in 1997. I mean, Australia was in, um, uh, Port Arthur was in April 28 or 29, 1996. And I think it was in March or April, or February. No, sorry, February, it was in February of 1997. So he tried to make David look actually quite stupid in saying that. But, I mean, it was 19 years ago for New Zealand, 20 years for Australia. Well, actually, if I actually did the actual figures, it was actually 10 months after Port Arthur, New Zealand had their last massacre. Yeah, so, okay. I mean, again, yeah. it, 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 it's, it's, I, I can't believe Carl Stefanovic was trying to make that point because it was just a stupid point because, I mean, they were 10 months apart. I mean, 19 versus 20 years. I mean, is it really is it really any different, 20 versus, like, you know, 19 years and two months? I don't think so. Yeah. And again, if you go and look at the statistics, rather than starting at 96 where we had the, the, the buyback and we bought in the, 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 the laws, it's what we always hear. Um, John Howard came out, um, made a, a, a magic reappearance in recent times at a very convenient time and kept referring uh, ever since 96, um, uh, the, the, the rate of incident with firearm has gone down. But you know, that's um, lying with statistics because, yes, that's true. However, you go 20 years the other side, and it was still a downward trend. Um, 
you know, what, what changed. There was actually a dip in the graph, if you look at it, which you would have. Yep. Um, uh, what actually changed was uh, certain methods of um, a suicide may have changed. But yeah. it didn't I did it. speak it to that. Change. There was a guy in, um, I interviewed before, Ricky, I can't remember the number right now, but it was only about five or ten episodes ago after you, Dr. Keston Green. Now, he, he is a, a lecturer out of the University of South Australia, and we had a chat about um, you know the, the regulations, and that's what the whole uh, conversation was about. And he said, well, there's been, to him, people say, well, there's been a significant reduction you know, in homicide with a firearm. But you know, there's actually been a, a reduction in homicide with a firearm, but an increase in actual homicide in general. So I don't... Yeah. You yeah, why again? We people seem to be infatuated that people kill themselves with guns. So what? It doesn't matter that people kill themselves with other methods. I mean, again, I just don't understand the Australians' infatuation with saying, "Well, guns are bad. Guns kill people," and people don't. I mean, you know, I'm come from the thing of. I would like to get that person help, as you probably would too, and I hope yeah. they would not kill themselves. But at the end of the day, it's not my position to tell them what they can and can't do with their life. You know what I mean? I hope we could get them help and get them the proper treatment, and I think we'd all agree on that. But, I mean, again, there seems to be just an infatuation with yeah. you know, the, uh, the U.S., with people killing themselves with guns. I mean, people say there's a large homicide rate. that They're forgetting the suicide rate. They're forgetting people being shot, uh, gang members, police shooting gang members. Um, yeah, again... It's a lot different than the issues we're actually seeing here in Australia with the gangs. I mean, we've got our own problems, obviously, with importations, etc. But we just yeah. don't have those problems. I mean, do they have a no. mental health issue? Of course, that's something they need to sort out for themselves. Um, and of course, here in Australia, uh, under the current setup, if you end up with an extreme mental health condition, um, you know, because we um, uh, have our registries and everything, it's dealt with appropriately. Like. You know, if I was to go and cause somebody harm, I would instantly lose my license. So I've actually got something to lose if I do something wrong out in the public where those who are unlicensed don't. So, um, you know... You're right. I do find that. I do find that, Ricky, when normally I'm out, you know, somewhere and I tell my friends, you know, I've got great friends, they don't do this anyway, but, you know, like, they don't get in any ruckuses, don't look at someone the wrong way, let's just go do our thing, let's move on because I've got a gun license, this is my life, this show's my life, if I get in trouble and I'm all over the news, well, I'm going to look like a complete douche, so I don't really want that to happen. I'm always thinking in my mind, okay, don't get in this situation, I go that... You know, I might get yeah. out, of, out of the train station. Some guys iron you out, head down, see you later, off I yep. go. Can, yeah, and that's, about that's my business. probably one of those um, uh, positive um, uh, positive impacts of having uh, some form of a law, I suppose. That's a positive deterrent. You know, for, for you and I, we know if, if you know, these uh, coward punches that we're seeing going on not all that mm. long ago, somebody who had a licence would not do that or if they did they absolutely deserve to have that license ripped away from them and their firearms taken away so that's a positive deterrent but um uh, like we said there's only a certain point uh where laws are actually effective enough um you know we we have to play things carefully and smart here There's, there's a lot of recreational shooters out there. You know, last time we spoke, the, the figures that we knew of were around about 850,000, but actually going off the crim track records that have uh, been released recently, it, it looks like there's around 2 million licences held mm. in Australia. I think, they re- I think they redid it. I looked at you, I did see the one you saw, and then I just saw another fresh one the other day, and they've maybe done something with the data, but all the states equal about 1.1 million now, so that's quite interesting. So Yeah, so, so, so. what I think it would have been was... Um, a bit of a um, a double up on some licences. So AB might have actually been classified as two licences or something. But yep. you know, 1.1 million is still extremely significant. That's, yep. uh, what, nearly one twenty-fifth of the population. 
how, how do they? Uh, how do we get them off their bum, Ricky, and do things? I mean, shooters. And that's why I do this show. I, I don't get paid anything really, except for some great sponsorship that I provide for people. I do it because I love it. I spend a lot of time on it. And I mean, how do we stop shooters from being apathetic? I know there's a lot of shooters out there that do. They get off their bum. They write to the politicians. Yeah. They did it during the Adler debacle when you know, Minister yeah. Keenan was trying to whatever he was trying to do in regards to banning the Adler. And there, and there seems to be a lot of talk. People say, well, it's all state based. You got to do this. It's all state based. Well. Well, the interesting part about that is, you know, Tony Abbott banned the importation yeah. literally, literally overnight. So I don't think it's entirely state-based when your prime minister can ban an importation overnight. So you know, on no, regards exactly. to the Adelaide, you know. And the weapons and policy, uh, the, the firearms weapons and policy working group is a federal group. Um, uh, and when the um, national firearm uh, agreements discussed, it's all done federally. You know, all, all, all the state ministers come together and speak with the. Um, uh, with the federal guys, so you know it, it's not all just state based, as you just pointed out, and rightfully so. It was the federal government that actually um, brought in the ban on the, the seven shot Adler, and yeah. uh, uh, so really, at the end of the day, um, firstly uh, to, to, to the shooting community, well done throughout that whole debate. I, I couldn't believe how um, how well a, a group of people came together. I mean. Uh, they did, they just did. One, one background of people. You had people in there who were uh, doctors, who were surgeons, who were panel beaters, who were uh, lawyers, who were um, you know, farmers. It doesn't matter. Everybody comes from all these different backgrounds. They all came together. You know, they, so many really came together and said, hang on a second, we can see what's going to happen here. If we allow this to happen, all of a sudden it will be our, our trusty... Um, 30-odd-6 lever action that we've been using for the last 30 years, or it might be like BL-22, or whatever it will be, um, the, the same fear that this is being sold on will be, will be moved on the next. So everybody banded together. and uh, It's something I've been thinking about a bit in the background. Uh, those um, anti-firearm groups really don't want to see an NRA-style lobby group in Australia. However, when you have such an extreme group opposing what you do, and trying to uh, blame law-abiding people for the actions of a, a criminal group, what other choice do they have? They have to then end up standing up to defend themselves. They if, do, yeah. If we didn't have groups coming after our interests and our hobby, yeah. we wouldn't have to get motivated. We wouldn't have to band together. Mm. But, I mean, even if the debate was based around fact, but it wasn't, and that's yeah. the problem. That's why you end up seeing such powerful lobby groups being formed. And I think yeah. you know, there's a lot of different... Uh, lobby groups behind the firearm industry, but in general, uh, they're all starting to put the same message across. And I'm just seeing, you know, a big show of unity. And um, unfortunately, um, uh, now more than ever, I think it's necessary. Mm. Well, I mean, what choice do we have, Ricky? I mean, like the NRA example, I've got no problem saying that I'm a life member because I think that if if, if there was further restrictions placed on the US, I mean, how long before that's going to you know, trickle down to Australians. I mean, again, we're not seeing from the Greens, from these anti-gunners, we're not seeing you know, honesty. I don't think we're seeing honesty at all. We're seeing this emotion, which has no fact. You show yeah. them the facts, they still 
don't want to you know, believe what's in front of their eyes. Yeah. I mean, these people... And the NRA is only as strong as its members. I mean, the SSAA here in, you know, in, in Australia technically actually has more members. But I mean, if we look at lobbying power... I mean, the NRA has about seven and a half million members, but they, you know, they're on Capitol Hill. They're, you know, taking the fight to the politicians. I mean, you know, for, for people's gun rights because their freedom, which is what their country was founded on. Unfortunately, we don't have that, which is quite sad, I think. But, you know, at this stage, we have a right to own a firearm. If you're, you know, Ricky Muir was over the age of 18, which he is. He doesn't have a criminal record. He has a right to own a firearm. I mean, you know, and he has a right to go out there, you know, go take on his favourite shooting, clay targets. He wants to shoot his Adler at some pigs and you know get some pigs off his land or even just enjoy shooting some paper targets with his Adler. Whatever he wants to do, he's not hurting anyone and he wants to go about his business and enjoy himself. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, that's hit the nail on the head. Um, I mean, look, 1.1 million licensed shooters across Australia. In saying that, you would expect that's one in 25 people. Uh, so if these people, the law-abiding people, that 1.1 million people... Are a problem. We should be seeing firearms in the middle of the CBD every given day, but they're not the problem. They're actually they're just bringing it out on the weekend to uh, you know shoot a couple of clays, to, to, to shoot at a couple of uh, plinking tar- targets, to shoot at a, a, a baked bean thing hanging from a tree. Whatever it is, uh, is what we do. And um, uh, uh, the, the problem, as we all know, it is is. Um, some easily concealed thing, which um, unfortunately hasn't gone through the same processes as what everybody else has, and they're the ones that pop up on the front pages. If you're heading for the bush soon, don't. The SSAA Shot Expo is coming with hunting gear from the world's biggest brands, the latest hunting gear and optics from Europe and the USA, and four-wheel drive accessories from Australia. The SSAA Shot Expo just keeps getting bigger. Rose Hill Racecourse, Sydney, June 25th and 26th. Supported by Swarovski, Winchester and ATN Night Vision. Book online or pay on the day. Visit shotexpo.com.au. Do you hunt deer and want to learn the correct techniques for a quality wall mount and premium eating venison? SSAA Sydney Branch provides hunter education courses to help you become a better hunter and to utilise harvested game in the most effective way possible. Course content includes gunning, butchering and caping from experienced hands-on instructors using locally harvested deer. There is no gear required and also includes a barbecue lunch. Courses are held every first Sunday of each month with an 8am sign-in for a 9am start. Course running time is approximately six hours and the venue is Silverdale Rifle Range. Cost is $50 per person, so call Andy Mallon at Silverdale Rifle Range on 02-4653-1440 or visit SSAAsydney.net. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting this from you, Ricky, going on a bit more about the Adler. I know you, there was an interview with um, Neil Mitchell. Now, you said one thing. Now, I've been, uh, for, for someone that's into firearms that doesn't have a policy, I am surprised it was you first. That's not a bad thing. Definitely not, a, not getting upset with it. But you did say during the Neil Mitchell interview, um, Neil Mitchell, I'm not a big fan of that guy whatsoever, but he did say, you know, he kept pushing you about what's the difference between a pump-action shotgun and the Adler, and he, he kept pushing and pushing and pushing. You said something which was really telltale there, which I, I'm glad you did, and I'm glad it was you. 
that you did say that the pump shotgun was incorrectly classified in 1996. So what was your thoughts surrounding the interview and, I guess, the statement that you made in regards to that? Yeah, look, actually, you know, I, I was in a situation where um, I, I thought that the whole interview was going down a path where no matter what I said, I was going to be argued against and, of course, tried to be backed into a corner. Uh, but I knew my content well enough that um, I, I didn't feel that was going to happen and that it was really an emotive debate rather than a factual debate. And uh, the argument popped up that, you know, oh, well, what's the difference in rate of fire? I'm like, well, you, you know, let's turn this around then. Uh, lever actions have actually been obtained and owned by uh, law abiding people since 1887. Uh, if you believe that the rate of fire is the same, then. Uh, aren't you essentially advocating for pump action to then be uh, accessible for, um, uh, for for law-abiding licensed people now? And um, I don't think he quite knew how to take it. But um, <laughs> well, just interesting. I'm just surprised. I mean, I've been saying the same thing where people have sort of been trying to run and hide and say, "Well, don't, you know, don't say that." You know, we can, uh, they'll go after the lever actions. I said, "Well, mate, there, to me, there is no difference. I mean, one lever's up and one lever's down. One pumps backwards and forwards. They're both five shots." Someone, I think I spoke to you about this on the last show. Someone said there is a difference, and I, I've got one a Remington 870 myself, and I still haven't done it since I spoke to you. But someone is saying, "If you hold your finger on the trigger with a pump and keep pumping it backwards and forwards as you pump it, it will fire. I can't confirm yeah. that yet, but I am going to try that to actually see if it actually does that. But even then, I think that's still a moot point. How much quicker really could it be? You know, 0.1 of a second, 0.3. I yeah. mean, we're, we're talking semantics here. I mean, basically, there's no reason why our five-shot pump shotguns, and there seems to be an infatuation again with semi-autos. That even the most, you know, people that are actually quite proficient um, there's a few videos going on on YouTube, guys shooting side-by-sides, and they're going up against the Adler, and due to the reloading, uh, you know, the, the I think the Adler might have pinched them by 0.1 of a second. I mean, really, we're having this huge debate yeah. over 0.1 of a second? I mean, I, I can promise you it's a very clumsy thing to reload. <laughs> exactly. Um, I've, seen, I've seen it, yeah. That's <laughs> quite And then David Shoebridge, again, he was on the SBS Insight program probably, you know, a month, six weeks ago. And he goes, oh, we're shooting, you know, 10 rounds in 10 seconds. I'm like, well, he must have magic fingers because last time I checked it, one minute he's saying it's a seven shot, it's a five shot, and then he says, oh, it's a 10 shot, you're doing 10 shots in 10 seconds. And I said, well, you know, he shoots five. Let's say that takes, you know, five seconds. Uh, I mean, how was he loading it and getting another five shots off within 10 seconds? I mean, must be a magical one I don't own, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think half the argument was there that um, uh, people have been machining up um, 10 round uh, tubes for They have, yeah. Um, Which is quite yeah. legal, I might. Yeah, again, I'm not I, saying. I was going to say. Yeah. So, so let, let's actually look at the, the legalities here. And yeah. um, under Category AB, it's completely legal to have yeah. um, a shotgun that fires up to ten uh, rounds, or, or any firearm that actually fires up to ten rounds uh, ammunition. So there's no. Uh, if that's to happen, the bans on importing a, a seven shot, but there's no actual ban on um, uh, and actually owning a, a, a ten shot. So, but. Again, just to help put a little fact on the table, that tube then has to be literally as long as a barrel, uh, and it would have to be a twenty-inch, a twenty-eight-inch barrel. It would be uh, a very, very long, large firearm that cannot be concealed at all. It can't be modified to be smaller or anything to that effect. Yeah. So the, the fear that all of a sudden, oh, it must be something that you can put in your pocket and walk around with ten uh, rounds in, it's not true. Um, uh, you know, that's not going to happen. And that's why these sort of uh, firearms aren't seen um, 
in the unfortunate uh, incidences that we do see a firearm be used for the wrong purpose. Yep, very good, mate. Um, recreational hunting, very popular in Victoria, huge in Victoria, as you would know. Uh, we've got a, a game, a DPI-run model here in New South Wales, which is going quite well, hunters taking advantage of hunting on public land. Uh, yeah, motoring enthusiast party or Ricky Muir, does he support fair and equal access to public lands for recreational hunters across the country? Absolutely. Uh, something I'm very passionate about. So um, now here in Victoria, we, we've got the threat of the Great Forest National Park, which has been brought up several times by uh, environmental groups. Look, I'm always listen to, to both sides of a debate and both sides of an argument and try to uh, um, really consider why people uh, want to achieve something. But, um, you know, this is an industry. It's not just a hobby. It's not just an in- interest. It's a- an industry. And um, if we go locking up uh, certain areas of, of forest, which is actually protected by things like our um, uh, regional forestry agreements and so on, there's an irrational fear that uh, if we don't lock up certain parts of the Central Highlands, the whole lot will be logged in one go. It's not true. Uh, only 2% of um, Australia's um, native forest can actually be harvested, and less than 2% of that 2% is harvested each year. So that's part of the argument for the Great Forest National Park. Of course, the other part is right now it's being said that um, uh, that hunting will be allowed in there. But mark my words, once a national park is set up, somebody will come in very swiftly afterwards and say, no, that's it, it is over. So um, I am very much for um, uh, recreational use of our lands. I've actually uh, encouraged people in the um, Latrobe Council um, here in Gippsland to uh, band together and, and express their concerns over a local law the council was trying to bring in, which is in relation to recreational vehicles on your own land. And uh, the people really got behind that. I didn't have to do anything. It was it was a, a local issue, but um, all I had to do was, was bring awareness to people, and, and they really let the council know what their concern was, and they were listened to. So it was it was, it was brilliant. So you know, I'm a very very strong supporter of um, uh, recreational access to our land. Once you take it away, all you do is create the illegal avenue rather than actually being able to regulate the legal avenue. That's right. What about um, fair and equal access to our coastline? Love fishing. I'm a bit of a fisher myself. Ricky, I head out on my kayak. I don't mind that. You know, a lot of people want to go in the harbour. We've got, I mean, in New South Wales, we've got fishing licences, which I'm a little bit in disagreement with, only because the fact that every time I, I turn on the TV, the Labor government, formerly John Robertson here in New South Wales, former uh, opposition leaders, wants to lock more, uh, uh, you know, parts of Sydney up, so, you know, more marine parks, so I can't go fishing, yet I'm the guy paying them uh, to go fishing. So uh, you know, Ricky Muir or the Motoring Enthusiast Party support recreational fishing and uh, getting out there and taking the kids out fishing. Fishing? Absolutely. Uh, something that, um, again, I think many people within the party, well, not think I know, many people within the uh, party are very passionate about. Um, uh, when there was the uh, small pelagic fish issue with the uh, Geelong Star, uh, I spoke to many of the recreational uh, fishing groups uh, and as many individuals, in, individuals as possible um, uh, around um, uh, taking the ban off uh, nighttime trawling and um, uh, having them go out throughout the daytime and come closer into uh, some of the areas where recreational fishers uh, would be and, and listen to their concerns and, and voted accordingly. Accordingly, I yep. can't remember if it came down to my vote or not, but it was it was darn close. It really was. It was really close. And um, at the end of the day, um, you know, it was people power that I really had to listen to in, in, in that case. Um, 
there was a very good risk that we were going to be taking some of the feedstock away. Um, <laughs> there, yeah. was, there was fishing competitions coming up in certain areas. The feedstock goes away and that's it. It's all over. So, yeah, um, uh, yeah it, it is... Um, uh, it's a way of life for so many people. I have to give the state government here in Victoria a, a bit of a, a tip of the hat, actually. Yeah. Um, they're aiming for a million uh, anglers um, uh, in you know, a, a quick succession. So they've actually gone and um, even put Barramundi down in the Hazelwood Pondage here in Gippsland. So um, they're, they're trying new and different things and trying to encourage people to get out and go fishing, which yeah. is... Yeah, that's actually something really positive. I never expected I'll see that from a Labor government, so <laughs> kudos to them. Yeah. Ricky, say they, someone's out there, they're on voting day, they've seen that picture of that bearded guy there, and they're, and they're a hunter and they're a shooter, and they're going, right, that, that bearded guy, he's my number one on the ballot paper. Tell us if you're re-elected, um, you know, what would you propose, if anything, to, you know, to, to at least you know, say thanks to those firearms owners that uh, you know, gave you their number one uh, on the ballot paper? Would you put any policies forward um, in regards to firearms ownership or would you just continue with what you're doing or what would you do? Probably the, the biggest thing would be uh, to note that there is absolutely no way that uh, I will allow any more laws to be put on the law-abiding based off fear. There is just no way I could allow that to happen. So that is what I've done to this point, and that is what I'd absolutely continue to do. Uh, but when you've got issues like uh, sound suppressors, um, yep. for some reason they're illegal, but they're a health and safety benefit to just about all of us. Um, uh, and that's something I think we should be looking at trying to um, relax the laws around so that way we can actually have sound suppressors. Mm. And, uh, and they're used throughout Europe. I mean, England. I mean, even England, they're fairly draconian on their gun laws. You can't even own a handgun in England, yet they actually say well, you, know, you can't really go to a range unless you have a suppressor. It's almost mandatory in a lot of these European countries. Exactly right. So I, I can't see how it's going to have a negative effect uh, out in the wider community when all it's doing is actually making... Um, uh, the firearms, which is legally obtained by a, a licensed person, a little bit more quiet. Um, it's not Hollywood. It doesn't all of a sudden make everybody a criminal. It would just reduce the sound or the crack. Uh, and, of course, like we know as shooters, it doesn't actually make something silent. It just reduces the uh, crack when initially fired. Yep. So I, I think suppressors are something that really need to be looked at. The, you know, I'm not the only person uh, in a political party who thinks that's an issue that needs to be looked at as well. And I think you'll find that the will... Uh, with the right amount of um, uh, uh, firearm supporters, uh, that's something that could well be tackled into the future, and I really hope it would be. The yeah. register, as we know, it, it's unfortunately been used uh, for um, illegal. I mean, I, I always ask what what the benefits are to firearms registration that we spend, you know, seven hundred and fifty million dollars. Uh, for what exactly? As I think we spoke about before, Ricky, I, I send letters to the police minister Troy Grant and around the country, the police ministers. You know, yep. pl- please let me know what uh, you know what crimes have been solved by this register. Uh, you know, you never hear anything back. I don't know. God knows how many letters I've actually written. Um, you know, how much money this is costing the taxpayer uh, yep. to 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 this this wasteful, bloated bureaucracy. I mean, again, we're, we're a small country. I mean, we're the, one of the last countries almost on earth, Ricky, that actually still registers firearms. I mean, it's not as if Canadians. Sorry, Canada's a violent country. I lived there for a good year and a half in 2003 as a as a young um, 22 year old. I'm 35, same age as you. Uh, you know, we, we see New Zealand. I mean, you know, I would say uh, New Zealand's are they more trustworthy than Australians? I don't think they are. I mean, well, it's very similar, very similar culture. We most European countries don't have firearms registration. So, 
I don't know why we keep persisting with this wasteful bureaucracy because nobody wants to challenge John Howe because he's like the prodigal son, you know. Nobody, until he, you know, touch wood, so I don't want to say this, but passes away, no one looks like they're willing to even touch that sort of issue. Yeah, I mean, that's why I, I knew when I stood up and made noise about the Adler and I essentially took on John Howard. I, I thought, well, this is going to be perceived pretty bad by some of my supporters. But <laughs> at the end of the day, I'm going to stand up for what I honestly believe is right based off the facts, uh, and, and that's what I'm going to do. And I was incredibly proud of that. So I think if I get booted out for trying to do what I think was the right thing, I can actually be booted out with a big smile on my face. You know, well, I, I tried and I would have been frustrated to think, any differently, but that's probably important. Of you know, a good highlight of the importance of independence. Senator Lionelm does the same thing. He stands up for what he think, thinks is right. The shooters and fishers uh, at the state level they do exactly the same thing, and, and we're willing to um, uh, question, um, you know, actually question John Howard. Unfortunately, there are some people in the major parties who are uh, very pro. Uh, firearms, but they're hamstrung. At the end of the day, they'll still be pulled back into line, uh, or else they just won't get pre-selected the next year, or they'll be bumped down the ticket and won't get re-elected. So unfortunately, if you want to be part of the major parties, or if you want to continue to vote status quo like you have been, or like people have been, you're going to end up with the same issues. You might have somebody who's supportive of your lifestyle, however, at the end of the day, uh, if they're too vocal, they'll be pulled into line and booted out. Oh, yes, I'd be so disappointed I did hear, I'm not sure if he still is, Darren Hinch is running. I don't know if that's still happening. I mean, I'd hate to see, Ricky, you know, someone like Darren Hinch who's anti-gun. I mean, you know, the you to lose your seat to someone like Darren Hinch or David Lyon, who I'm so two pro-gunners, you know, potentially losing two of those. I mean, heaven forbid, let's touch wood, Ricky, you're not re-elected. How's the, what, what are you planning on doing after the election if so you're not re-elected? Well, I've... Um, yeah, the job pre- prospect's a lot better now since, you know, you've been in Parliament <laughs> as a senator, or...? Well, I won't move to the city, so no matter what I do, it's going to have to be in regional Victoria, but um, uh, Gippsland, too, I'm not moving. I was born here, and uh, bugger it, I'm going to die Whereabouts here, but, in um, Gippsland are you, Ricky? Whereabouts? Uh, I'm down near the, uh, the... Probably the biggest town near me, or a rural... Um, Build-up rural area is the uh, township of Sale. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, um, yeah. So, so you, know, you drive 20 minutes one way in the Streslecky Ranges. You drive 20 minutes the other way. You're in the uh, at the base of the high country. You drive 40 minutes the other direction. You're in the beach. And uh, so, you know, I'm as far as a, um, a shooter and a, a fisher. I'm in a, a very, very good very location. good position. Yeah. Just, uh, I don't have the bloody time to go and do what I, what uh, I do, do, enjoy doing anymore. Exactly. Mate, two, one or two questions to finish off. I did see Senator Lionhelm uh, put out an email, was it might have been today or yesterday, saying, you know, that he's pretty much they're, they're hearing whisperings from the from the government that the NFA that they are going to uh, further restrict firearms ownership. We don't know what that means yet, that the, the, the government is going to try it on the shooters. What 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 do you think? What are we going to do? And what's Ricky Muir going to do? I mean, obviously, they don't want to do this prior to the election because they think they're going to lose votes. I mean, I'm not sure why shooters would vote for the you know, Liberal Party when they're the ones that mostly every time some major firearms legislation happen, it's been Liberal Party. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what what are we going to do and how are we going to tackle this? Well, like I said a whole about 10 minutes ago, you know, if I'm re-elected, at the, at the very least... At the absolute very least, uh, there should be absolutely no changes to the laws that affect the law-abiding, uh, and that's as simple as that. And um, uh, you know why uh, some people might, you know, want me to get out there and advocate for concealed carry or whatever it may be. For me, right now, the focus is to prevent the government from bringing in knee-jerk policy or reactions like 
like you've just said, I had heard uh, what you had just said uh, in the last uh, 24 or 48 hours, but I wasn't quite sure uh, how authentic or where it actually came from. So I didn't really want to make any comment on it. But the reality is, uh, if that is a plan for the government to crack down, and look, there may well be, because the um, the sunset of the uh, ban on the seven shot seven shot Adler is due to come in uh, due to sunset in August, yep. which is coincidentally placed after the federal election, right at the start of the government's new tenure. Uh, so three years' time, people may have forgotten. Um, you mentioned the Liberal Party a moment ago. I think something that voters should be very careful of too, uh, as much as I have a lot of respect for people within the National Party, um, they are nothing but an extension of the Liberal Party. They sit in lockstep in that chamber, in the federal chamber, in, in the Senate. Um, they sit in lockstep. Um, uh, that's why they're called the Coalition, because they co-align, they work together on everything. And um, it's something people have got to be so cautious of. If they want to send a strong message, um, uh, you know, it's really important mm. that people... I respect really it better, you, you, Ricky, because you know when you, you voted on some of the stuff that may eventually end your job. I mean, I get very disappointed when people sell out their own souls and vote with the coalition government just to secure their seat in parliament to get their little perks when they retire. I mean, it really is disappointing. I mean, this country was founded like my my, my grandfather fought in the war. My dad's dad, you know. I mean, they, these people were rolling over in their graves if they've seen what coming. He used to, Ricky, it was quite a funny story. He used to go on the train. Um, uh, from, I'm not sure where, but he used to go from the city to up to Lithgow. He'd do yep. that with his rifle over his shoulder, oh. Ricky. No one thought it yep. was odd. If I if I pulled out my rifle today, Ricky, there'd be SWAT everywhere. There'd be helicopters. Yeah, oh, my, my grandfather, uh, my grandfather, and he's such... <laughs> um, you know, the stories he can tell, but um, he, he grew up in Spotswood, used to jump on the train, go out to Little River, have the 22 with him, go and get a couple of rabbits, and uh, on the way back on the train, with the 22 beside him, they would uh, skin him, gun him, just out the back of the train, and uh, sell him on the train. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's... It was normal activity, wasn't it? It was just normal. Yeah, it was, it was absolutely normal activity. So It's just disappointing. Um, it's amazing how, how, how fast society's changed. It is, is incredibly amazing. But one thing I'm you know, very proud about being um, a hunter and gatherer, although I'm completely useless at it... Um, <laughs> No, Ricky, I'm still waiting to get my deer, Ricky, four years, and I'm still waiting. I keep, I keep waiting for one of my awesome listeners to go, Jays, come out with me, I'll get you a deer. Uh, maybe a, well, after the election, even if I am re-elected, there's going to be about 12 weeks minimum of quiet time. So maybe you should come down in Victoria here. The snow's starting to fall, so the deer are coming down low. I, yep. too, haven't caught one yet. We'll take some experienced people so we actually know what we're exactly. doing. Exactly. Not, not me and you. We don't know what we're doing, but we'll get someone to show us anyway. <laughs> Ricky, <laughs> you were just, just ta- walking around. I could walk around with a stick pretending that it's me 30, uh, uh, that it's my 308, <laughs> and I'll be happy. <laughs> Ricky, one, two questions to finish on, and this is an important one. I think you're talking about concealed carry. Now, why I know that in Australia at this stage that's not really achievable, I do support that. I've been very upfront about that to everybody that I speak to. But I do think one that is very close to my heart is um, an interesting story to tell you, actually. Um, there was a fellow up here, and I'm talking about self-defense in the home with a firearm. Obviously, yep. we know you we can defend yourself in the home. Uh, obviously, there's much red tape surrounding firearms mm. and having them locked away, which you know, to me makes sense um, to you know be able to you know have the firearms 
ways that yeah, kids don't get at them, etc. Yep. Um, now, in saying in, in saying that though, um, yeah, well, I guess what are your thoughts on self defence? I'm going to be doing with an interview, and just just so I can sort of you know premise yeah. premise the question, I'm going to be interviewing a guy. This was a high profile case, very nice fellow. He might be listening to this, and he might message me. Uh, I'm sending him over some questions tomorrow. Now he lives in Sydney. Uh, he was in his home. Uh, he he came out. He heard something. It was late at night. He came out of his bedroom. Uh, into the kitchen, uh, saw someone in the kitchen who subsequently had a taser, uh, yep. basically, obviously, uh, stabbed them, killed them, and then had to wait three years uh, to find out whether he was going to be actually be charged in murder. Now, yep. the, 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 parole conditions. Yep, that's right. So when, so when he uh, did this, he had to wait three years to see if he was going to be charged with murder of actually defending his own life. The person that he did kill was a career criminal. Uh, yeah. Had an, you know, we could you know, have three ten arms as long have how much criminal convictions he actually had. The family was saying of the of the of obviously the dead person. You know, how he was so lovely and he was this and he was that and he was a fantastic child. I mean, you know, I'm going to interview this guy. This is someone that had to kill someone, Ricky. You know, to defend yeah. his own life. I mean, this is sort of seriously what we're dealing with. So, what's your thoughts on this at this stage? I mean, I mean, it's not Wallace. It's not illegal to uh, defend yourself with a firearm. Um, you know what we want to see in this country. It just seems as police, uh, and we saw this in, in, in the Newcastle case with Ben Battenham. Um, the person, this guy, came into his daughter's room. I mean, a known, uh, been charged with uh, a child rape, mind you, Ricky. Right? Yeah. And he came into the guy's house, got him in a headlock outside. Twenty-four hours later, police charged Ben Battenham with with murdering this person. I mean, this is where we're at. That the police should be supporting a victim. Like 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 the person I'm going to do the show with, Ricky. He's a victim, and, and the police seem to want to charge. and And he's told me that it wasn't actually the police. The police recommended uh, all charges be dropped against him. Yet uh, uh, the the DPP are the ones that no no we, you know, to justify their own jobs. We're going to keep this guy on the hook for three years. And yep. he's not knowing whether he's going to serve twenty five years in prison or he's or he's going to be you know exonerated from those charges. Yeah. So I mean that's. Um, so it, what it about self-defense? That's what I'm saying, getting yeah, back to no, the point. Exactly. Yeah, I, I did get that. So I was, I was so, going to make a bit of a joke about how big the preamble to the question was. But, yeah. but um, I wanted just to build it up and tell you where I'm coming from, like from, yeah, from his no. point of view. Because people think, well, it's not happening to you. Well, you know, Ricky, you've got a car. You know, we don't need insurance until we need it. Yeah, it's not happening to everyone. I admit that. But we do have a major black market of firearms in this country, um, yeah. specifically because of the NFA and the fact that we have draconian gun laws. Firearms are worth a lot of money. Uh, criminals will do things with firearms. You know, he came into the kitchen. He had to do something that, you know, heaven forbid, none of us ever have to do. But that's what yeah. he had to do. He's got to live with that for the rest of his life now. I mean, exactly. shouldn't he be able to defend himself? So that it really, ta- by raising that, it takes the um, uh, conversation really away from firearms because it comes down to self-defence. Now, there's a there's a test which most legal cases come down, and I can't bloody remember the the, the two parts of the test. But basically, right. um, you know, was it equal force and, and uh, was it necessary? And um, uh, if somebody breaks into your house. Um, you know, it, it has been a very grey area, and you just raised one case, you know, the more recent case, um, and, and I do understand that the uh, victim, although um, was uh, in prison for a little bit, is now out. But um, yeah, that's correct. Uh, you know, you're right to self-defence if we're speaking non-lethals uh, and so on. So Cassie can spray or your fist or uh, whatever it may be. You don't know what somebody's doing in your own house. I had somebody raise this during a conversation the other day. I said, well, what if it was uh, a sleepwalker? Well, yes, there is a risk. 
but there's probably a much higher risk um, that somebody that's inside your house um, is there because they may want to steal something or uh, they're... um, But how do we know that, Ricky, when they're there? You just don't know. know. So I've always said, and I stand by it, there's been times where I thought I saw movement in my own house and I flew towards it. And at the end of the day, I wouldn't have cared how big, ugly, small, whatever it was. I, I would have been throwing punches and thankfully it was just a shadow... Uh, it's a bit of a wind and I would have hurt myself because it would have been a wall <laughs> it might have been that deer you're looking for it might have been that deer we're looking for yeah absolutely but uh, the right to defend yourself in your home, own home is absolutely important but people shouldn't be sitting there questioning themselves oh there's somebody in my daughter's room uh, am I allowed to throw a punch or not you should just throw that damn punch and, and uh, know that the law should be there to support you providing that you didn't go to some ridiculous extreme uh, in the case that it's not so. Yeah. You know, I mean, no one's advocating. You know, if you, people don't want to own a firearm for self-defence, well, well, so be it. You know, if they think that a capsicum spray is is more suited to them, or say a taser, for an example, you know, yeah. you might do a bit of training. I mean, I'm not sure how hard it is to to spray pepper spray in someone's face, but let, let's say we have to do some training. That's fine. I, I would yeah. have no problem doing that. A taser. I mean, firearm. It's, it's not really the point. I mean, I don't want. I don't want to get into the debate about what's actually used. I mean, it should be my choice to like. I can have pepper spray in my house. I come into my house or someone comes into my house, heaven forbid, touch what doesn't happen. You know, I'm carrying pepper spray while they're carrying a revolver. I don't think I'm going to come out well in that situation. No, no, no that's exactly right. No, I think um, you're right to defend yourself in your own house. I mean, it, it should be just an absolute given. Um, yep. You shouldn't have to ask somebody what they're doing standing above you while you're laying in your own bed in the middle of the night. It's, mm. And yeah, I mean, uh, you've, and got, it, you've got kids, absolute, you've got kids, so I know, yeah, you, know, you, exactly. you wouldn't you want to see that. You don't have time you. to think. You mm. really honestly don't have time to think. And the overwhelming majority of people out there completely understand that. Yeah, I just think um, police act too quickly sometimes. In I mean, that case in Newcastle, I mean, maybe they know information we don't know, I can't say. But I mean, you'd think, you know, laying murder charges within 24 hours after the actual event. If I was the police, you know, I'm going to do exhaust all avenues before I even consider, you know, laying charges. We saw it with the the fella in Queensland. Remember the army young fella? He was training for the army. He had the, remember the what looked like a firearm. Someone reported it, and choppers came from everywhere. Turned out just to be a metal bar that they trained with because he wanted to get fit because he really wanted to get into the. I mean, subsequently the police charged public nuisance. I think it was charges end up yeah. getting dropped. But the the damage one, the damage is already done to the guy's reputation and also the police reputation by having to again. You know, having to defend themselves uh, by saying, well, yeah, we really shouldn't have done that. And then the tr- charges get dropped anyway. Why not wait and then see what happens and then consider your next move? Uh, one would think that would be the logical part. But in saying that, I, I do probably should tread lightly. And, and, you know, there are certain circumstances, always circumstances which we are completely aware of. And, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting debate, isn't it? It is. It really is. But I think it's a worthwhile debate, and it's one that yeah. needs to be cracked open and definitely had. Yeah, we're not um, talking about you know giving firearms to everyone. I just think it should be someone's choice as to what I decide to defend my family with, and I, I don't see the government's you know uh, uh, you know. What's the word I'm actually trying to think of? Their moral high ground is that I'm unarmed and helpless and can't defend my family. But yet, you know, we all see Malcolm Turnbull has armed security. You know, Bill Shorten has armed security. John Howard still has armed security. Yet I'm told, no, no, stuff you. Uh, you know, you basically, I'm a nobody and I don't get to defend my family. I mean, I find that quite insulting. Yeah, uh, it's certainly, I, I see myself 
uh, my role um, as a public servant is, is just that a public servant. So I don't see my uh, anybody else anybody else's life being any less important than uh, than mine. And you know, look at everybody as absolute equal. Mm. And um, uh, if I was uh, to request that I was to have uh, armed security as I walk around, well, you should be able to request the exact same thing. Yeah. Nah, good talking to you, Ricky. Uh, tell, tell us to finish off. You're coming up to the election. Not just hunters and shooters. Anyone that might listen to this show that might you know, see Ricky Muir and go, great, I'm going to listen to that show. Why should we vote for you? Uh, probably because I am not part of the party system. Uh, I like to, leave, uh, like to listen to all facts of the debate. Uh, I've proven that over the last 22 months of my time in the Senate. Um, my background is not that of a career politician. Um, I'll be very disappointed if it was. Uh, and I'm certainly a very passionate, outdoor, recreational type person. I believe in access to land. I believe in um, uh, the right to be able to personalise and modify your vehicle, to get out and enjoy what you're doing, and uh, less government restriction in the way. And most people within the Australian Motor Enthusiast Party believe the exact same thing. Yeah. Well, you've come a long way, Ricky. I said that in the first show. You've really, you know, in my opinion, developed into a you know fine politician. I'm glad, and I thank you for you know standing up for our rights. I know we might have some small philosophical disagreements in regards to some things, but I mean, all in all, I think you've done a great job. And uh, Ricky Muir joins us here on AHP. He's a senator for Victoria, and he represents the Motoring Enthusiast Party. So, Ricky, thanks for your time, and I appreciate. It. Hopefully, after the election, good luck in July, and hopefully, we can chat soon, and you'll still be a senator. Thanks very much. Thank you for having me. You've just been educated, and this is the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.